Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Welcome along. I hope you're all safe and well and keeping safe. Um, We've just finished the divisional round weekend and with me to discuss all of that and lots more is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, hello. Good evening. Good evening, my son. How are you cracking on? You still, you're doing well in January, are you? Still winning? I tell you what, this month seems to be um, dragging on like anything. Do you find that? It's, it feels like it's going really slowly and I don't know why. I think it's not really a month that many people look, uh, look back on too fondly, is it? No, <laughs> I'll no. tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. In positive news, isn't it lucky we've got some quality playoff football to watch? I mean, that is certainly one thing at the moment that I think at the weekend is giving people something to do. Having six hours worth of quality playoff football is just something that certainly adds a bit of intrigue to the weekend. I think without, like, in the first lockdown with no sport, I think that was really, really difficult with the weekends. But at least now that gives us something to do. So, yeah, I agree. So, so I, I tell you what, as well, not let's just jump straight into football, but. Didn't you realise watching those playoff games? It's some bloody good standard in there. Yeah, like, yeah, very much. Really so. is some good. Like you look at the games, you like core cool, blimey. Like there's some quality product on show there. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute, actually. But yes, <laughs> the short answer is yes, very much so. There's some great games, great finishes, especially that Kansas City Cleveland one. Unlucky Cleveland. Um, yeah, some cracking games, some great players, and. Like you're saying, you kind of watch it with one eye on the Bengals. You can't help comparing things to the Bengals and where we are and, you know, where we, how far away we might be. And I kind of said last week, I didn't think we were that far away. Uh, but some of the, you know, what you did notice, I think, in this, in this, this, on this weekend, especially when the standard gets higher, is that each team knows exactly what they're doing. There's not a lot of inconsistency there. There's a lot of good plays being made either side of the ball. I mean, you watched a bit of um, New Orleans and Tampa last night, and Tampa's defence had a terrific night. And um, it's it's interesting to watch. You, you're getting teams that are very comfortable in what they're doing. They're confident in what they're doing. The scheme is purring along either side of the ball. Um, and it's really interesting to watch, I think. And that's where we're quite far away I think uh, it's the consistency and these guys are doing it play after play series after series until you get like some crazy finish as I say like you had in the Kansas City and um, Cleveland game yeah I think you also see teams that have another gear I sometimes think it's a bit like the Champions League when it comes to British football is like teams just have the potential to turn it up and another gear if they have to. And I think you look in the regular season and you see stuff like the LA Rams when they lost to the Jets. And then you see what the LA Rams, you know, when they won that playoff game the other week, you think, how is this the same team that lost to the Jets, you know, that just upset the Seahawks in Seattle? Like, how have they done this? Like, how is that yeah. the way? And I think sometimes in the playoffs, you do just see teams playing at their absolute best. And 
um, are able to take that step up. It's not just that they can pull out a few wins in the regular season and that's all they've got. It's that they, when it comes to it against better opposition, can just raise the game, save up some play calls maybe that they've kept up their sleeve for big occasions. Mm, And mm. you really do see such a good standard. So it's certainly something to aspire to for us um, moving forward. I still maintain we found another gear once last year and that was against, against the Steelers on Monday night. We did raise the game our game to levels that on we defense. hadn't on yeah. defense. You know what I mean? So I think there's hope there. You know, it's just about tapping into that kind of well of of extra intensity and consistency. And if we can do that, then who knows? But um, do you know who's best to tell us how we're going to get tap into that talent and turn the Bengals into a winning organization, son? Uh, Bradley Walsh. No, it's me and you, Mike. Oh, I see. Okay. We are gonna. I mean, do you want to announce it? We're gonna turn this franchise around within the space <laughs> of a one-hour episode. We don't have a guest in this uh, week's episode, but what we are going to do is our very own version of Bengal's Apprentice, aren't we, Nathan? Absolutely. I mean, you fancy who's Lord Sugar in this? Well, Lord Sugar is Lord Sugar, and we are two contestants, so he's going to set us the task of of sorting out the Bengals. Would you guys help? You guys out there, our listeners, our lovely listeners have already sent in uh, some ideas on how we can build this roster, how we can turn this club around. Um, so that's going to uh, come up. Uh, we're also going to be playing, uh, while I'm announcing things, we're also going to be playing out um, a little song that we did um, uh, a bit later. You may remember last week, uh, if you're uh, on the internet, uh, there was a TikTok viral video of a Scots guy who uh, sung a sea shanty called Wellerman. And it went kind of nuts and lots of people took that video and added their own vocals to it until it was this kind of sonorous, kind of almost choir-like sea shanty. And it was fantastic. And I thought, do you know what? We've got to do our own version of that. So uh, I put it out there on Twitter last night. So we're going to play it to you. In this episode, as uh, regular listeners will know, we do like a bit of a sing and a, uh, well, I was going to say jig, but uh, mostly a sing. Uh, too old for jigging these days, I think. But um, so you'll hear that later. And there is a bit of Bengals news. Uh, they Zach and his team uh, have been recruiting uh, position coaches. And the, uh, the latest one is Marion Hobby on the defensive line. And once again, like Frank Pollack, it's gone down pretty well. What are your thoughts, Nathan? You know how I feel about assistant coaches. You so love them. I'm not, you absolutely I'm, love them. I'm, I'm just not. I'm not getting excited. I mean, it's cool to bring in a new guy. He's got some experience. He's at the Dolphins. Apparently, he interviewed very well, which is good. Um, that's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, he's got good sport. credentials. You he's cannot, got. You good... cannot judge these guys. You, no one's got any idea what they're like and even if you've watched interviews with them it can't tell you a lot unless you're down on that field and you're the players and you can tangibly measure um, improvements the the players can be the only people really that can have an opinion on assistant coaches in my uh, is my view well exactly but uh, DJ Reader who uh, was uh, worked with uh, Marion Hobby um, uh, at Clemson a few years back uh, he was going nuts he was he was uh rating him very highly and uh, interesting that they managed to prize him out of Miami because that seemed like I think Miami kind of mentioned that they wanted to 
keep all their coaches intact, their coaching staff intact this off-season. But we managed to prize him away. And, of course, uh, Mr Hobby also worked in uh, Jacksonville, uh, uh, not quite at the height of the Saxonville fame, but when he, you know when they were there, they did have a fearsome defensive line. So I, you know, credentials-wise, I think it's another good hire. And um, but you're right, we we can only see um, what happens in the future, really. But yeah, certainly on paper, another good hire. Indeed. <laughs> right, I know you're itching because you're you're. I think secretly you want to go on The Apprentice, don't you? That's that's always been your, uh, you know, you're a business owner. You know what you're doing. You, you're able to kind of talk the talk. You know, you're a you're a you know jovial guy. You've got a bit of the patter about you. You got a bit of confidence. You know, I can see you on The Apprentice, Nathan. I can see it. Oh, sorry, I, I, I was on mute. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Well, you, you're noise. not you're not going to win the the Apprentice with that kind of. Uh... I said I've never felt so buttered up in my life. I feel like a loaf of Hovis the way you're treating me at the minute. That's all right. I'm going to call you Hovis. Although you don't, I don't know. Hovis has got this very northern kind of you know working class kind of feel to it, whereas you're a bit more kind of I don't know. You might be a bagel or something like that. Maybe. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember I did my poppadom preach back in the day? I do. Yeah, on, we should bring it back. Processed bread. <clears throat> I hate processed bread. Like, look, all you've already that done shit it. Supermarket bread. There's nothing worse <laughs> than just that bog standard bread. Like, there is nothing better than going down your local baker and getting a loaf of that bread that goes off, goes stale as a rock in about a day and a half. That is the best bread out there. So you're basically your nickname is not going to be Hovis, it's going to be sourdough, isn't it? It's going to be sourdough. I don't really, I'm not even a big fan. I don't even like posh. No, it doesn't need to be posh. I like tiger bread, like a good fresh loaf of tiger bread from the local baker. Yeah, unbelievable. Get slice it up in their machine. Oh, mate, it's well, a different they're... level of bread. Like the, the stuff you get, like <laughs> King's Meal and Hovis and. All that best of both bollocks. It's just, I mean, it's so dry and it, it, it lasts about two weeks if you let it. Well, that's the whole point, isn't it? You know, that's. Yeah, the, but it's what sort of stuff I, I just, I don't like it, mate. Well, we've just lapsed, sorry, listeners, we've just lapsed into an impromptu episode of uh, Poppadom Preach there. Um, <laughs> uh, we will bring that back. And for those asking, last week's uh, Darius Phillips quiz, Did He Darius, went down a treat, I think. A lot of people enjoyed that as did Nathan and I. So that will be coming back, but obviously there's so many. <laughs> We're hoping that Darius churns out the tweets uh, so we can do another one soon. Um, all right, let's let's play the Bengals uh, version of The Apprentice, shall we? I'm a very happy bunny. Oh, dear. Uh, Sir Alan is not a very happy bunny. Um, now, for US listeners, we do have The Apprentice over here, and and it's not Donald Trump hosting. It is a guy called Alan Sugar, who is a uh, famous business person over here in the UK. And uh, just to give you a bit of a heads up, you're thinking, who the hell was that talking? Uh, now, Sir Alan, he's called us up at the house, Nathan. 
Yep. Uh, we've had to get out of bed at six o'clock in the morning. We've had to be in front of him at... Uh... That'd be a sight for the camera, son. You and your pants stumbling down the stairs to pick the phone. <laughs> exactly. Let's just hope I don't... Uh... Have the old morning glow. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, and we go into the boardroom, and he says, "Good morning." Good morning. And uh, he sets us the task: How are we going to fix the Cincinnati Bengals? That's what he wants to do. He wants us to fix the Bengals, and that means roster. That means it could mean off the field stuff. It could mean. You know, a 360 approach to improving this football club and the team. Uh, where do you want to start? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because, I mean, free agency comes first. Um, so I guess that would be where we look. I mean, we can look on the current roster now, maybe just identify like key gaps that we want to fill. I think that's probably the best thing to do. Mm. So, go so, on then. So you're you're we we what would you call our team, Team Obsidian or something <laughs> like that or Team Relentless, whatever those stupid idiots call themselves in The Apprentice. What would you, what would you call ourselves? Um, team Rocket. Team Rocket. Okay. <laughs> Just like the Pokemon team. That is where we're going. The Bengals and a rocket. We right. are taking a leaf out of the villains in Pokemon. We're Team okay. Rocket. Right, okay, so we're Team Rocket, and he says, Team Rocket, what have you done? What What is your solution? So how are you going to start off with, uh, what's the first phase of Team Rocket's uh, refurbishment of the Bengals and improvement of the Bengals? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is identify the gaps on the roster. Well, just before we you start that, let, let's, assume, let's just say all the coaches are in place, okay? Yeah, you know, they've cool. been announced and whatever. We're talking roster building. We're talking free agency draft. We're talking, as I say, off the field stuff. What would you like to see? Uh, you know, all the you're a marketing guy. You've got you know you've got some insight into all that kind of stuff. But yeah, what what would be the first phase of your improvement? Okay, I'm I'm getting up a version of the Bengals depth chart just to have a look at it and see from that depth chart where what we realistically need moving forward so i'm getting the depth chart here we go so looking at it wide receiver if we're starting there yeah aj green's not coming back is he i think we can both agree yeah, yeah. that but would you i know this is up to you nathan i would not bring aj okay, Green back. okay no. this I, is a decision that you and i have to make as team rocket are we bringing for the good of the team with that? yes it's we're both on the same page it's a shame about, but yes what would you bring him back on any sort of deal? Cheap one-year deal? No chance. You're just saying, let's clean slate, let's move on. Yeah, I think it's 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 best for both parties, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. I think with wide receiver, you've got to address that in some way, shape or form. Because I know that people are excited about T Higgins. And I know that Tyler Boyd... He's obviously a very good slot receiver. But behind that, you're thin as anything. There's really not much. You've got Mike Thomas, who I don't know if we brought back. Alex Erickson, we know. They're both not free the agents. Answer. They're both free agents. Yeah. Erickson and Thomas are free agents. Yeah. Uh, Tate's well, back. So at the moment, really, as in terms of starters and starting quality, we've got uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Board, and, and, and uh, Auden Tate, which is fine. You know, that's fine. Uh, but you're right. Um, are you looking at free agency? Because I've I've got up the list of free agent wide receivers here, and um, 
There's so, two guys that stand out to me if you're oh, going to go on. free agents. Names. Go on, yeah, 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 yeah. That I think realistically would be available. Go on. The cheap, the slightly cheaper option, just because of his age, and obviously the the Bengals love for familiarity is Marvin Jones. Yes. I think Marvin Jones has still got the quality. You could get him on a shorter term deal. He'd be cheaper than going after someone like Golladay or. Um, some of those sort of higher tier, Will Fuller, I think he'd be slightly cheaper than uh, Will Fuller. I just think the Bengals would like that. He's such a good guy, Marvin Jones, as well. A high character guy. He's a real production in Detroit. I think it's very, very likely he moves on and he's played his last game there. So I think if you weren't going to throw that number five pick at a receiver, which I think, you know, you obviously you could have some very, very good receivers there that would warrant the pick. But Marvin Jones offers you that deep threat. He's quick. He's the type of receiver we need at a slightly discounted price. So for me, I think that would be a, a fairly good solution. Yeah, I agree. I'm just looking through this list. Alan Robinson's quite interesting. 28 years old. He earned 14 million last year. So he's either going to be re-signed by the Bears or he's angling for some big money. Now, AJ was on an 18... million um, franchise tag last year. So you're not going to be saving too much if you go after someone like Alan Robinson. Marvin Jones, I agree, he earned $8 million last year, 31 years old. So you could argue and strike a deal somewhere around that or even a little bit cheaper because he's getting on in age. But his production is still... Quite you'd, high. you'd give him a two-year contract, wouldn't you, with a way out after year one? Because he's still... I'd, I'd be surprised if he fell off a cliff this season. Yeah, I agree. You um, know. Uh, Perriman's quite interesting from the Jets. 6.5 million here last year. He's 28 years old. Um, Will Fuller, I think... Will, I don't know. He, uh, he was on a... Was he on a rookie contract? I think he was, wasn't he? So he was yeah. on 2.5 million. He's 27 years old. Um... You know who's out there, son, didn't you, as a free agent, that their team is probably not going to retain him? Who? Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> well, yes, there is that. I mean, he's a good player, but I don't I wouldn't. I wouldn't he wouldn't him. come to the Bengals, and I think no. Bengals fans would be absolutely outraged if they got <laughs> Juju. Uh, that would be a very weird thing, wouldn't it? I'll, to... get, you a, I'll get you a Smith-Schuster jersey. Absolutely. For, uh... <laughs> uh, two names, um, well, three names, actually. Uh, my top target would be Corey Davis, uh, Tennessee. He earned six point yeah. three million yesterday, uh, yesterday, last year. That would be something if he earned six point three million yesterday alone. Bloody hell! Uh, but he's twenty six years old and he's real quality. Um, you would have to pay him a bit more than that, I would imagine. But I, I would, I would be seriously interested in him because he's a true starting caliber outside receiver. Um, I would also look at Kansas City's Demarcus Robinson, uh, who's even cheaper. He's two point, just under a shade, three thousand dollars under three million uh, a year he earned. And also, this is something Paul Dana suggested, is uh, Josh Reynolds of uh, the LA Rams. Um, so you know, there's some options there. Uh, but I think I- we will, we will. Uh, draft a um, wide receiver or two as well, I think. Has to. Yeah, it's, it's going to... I mean, I think just with the Marvin Jones option or a receiver sort of in that, that mould, it just frees you up to take the best player available at number five because 
one of those guys, either Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner, or Jamar Chase will be there at five, almost certainly. So you've got the choice of one of them. But I think if you to take someone like um, Jones or pick up a quality receiver, it allows you the flexibility then to sort of trade back. Because I just don't think that you can go into next year betting your money on T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Because there's just nothing behind that. There's not really the speed there that you'd want. And unless T. Higgins turns out to be like a top two or three receiver even then you need someone to step up in that third role and you've got no depth so I think a veteran like Marvin Jones at 31 who's familiar with Cincinnati and the team knows the ownership I just think will be a smart easy sort of plug-in I don't know whether he'll want to come back though on the basis he'll want to play for a contender that's my only concern I could imagine him maybe at Green Bay or someone like that who he thinks you know on a slightly reduced deal where he thinks he's got a chance at a Super Bowl because let's face it like being in Detroit Detroit and Cincinnati for his career. He's obviously not won a playoff game. He'll hopefully have aspirations as like a quality number two somewhere. Now, um, we're going to have to explain to Lord Sugar that uh, our sort of philosophy, really, because the thing that I've noticed in this, certainly in the playoffs, and you kind of forget that until it, until it all comes around again, is that teams run the ball a lot more. Um, maybe it's the time of year. Maybe it's just a way of controlling the clock against you know much more high-powered offenses uh but you do notice it i think a lot more teams do run the ball players like cam Akers, who have been injured and have been used that much during the year suddenly come to the fore leonard fournette again injured a lot this year but they uh, him and ronald jones looked amazing uh, against new orleans green bay obviously have got aaron Rodgers, but they've also got uh, this sort of three-headed running back monster, you know, uh, uh, with Aaron Jones at the the top of that. Um, but you look at the the play, the teams in in the final four in the the championship games. Uh, four of the five highest graded QBs, says PFF, have all advanced to the AFC and NFC championship games. So Aaron Rodgers ninety four point five, Tom Brady ninety two point six, Patrick Mahomes ninety two point five. Josh Allen, 90.9 as well. And then uh, Ben Baby tweeted out, the four teams still left in the NFL playoffs were ranked in the top six in scoring offense this season. Green Bay, 31.8. Buffalo, 31.3 uh, points per game. Tampa Bay, 30.8. KC, 30. Um, is this the objective now in the NFL, to make... You know, you score 30 points a game, you're going to win most games. Is is making the offense, you know, as best it can be the goal here and then making the defense good enough to kind of hold? Do you know what I mean? There just seems to be uh, an emphasis on, on offense now. Is that... I mean, we saw a little bit of that last year, but we were just far too inconsistent. You know, some days... The offense was like ripping down the field, scoring thirty points a game. They had that little stretch, didn't we? That we were scoring thirty points a game, pretty much. Um, but the defense just couldn't step up enough, you know. Whereas some days the offense was terrible, the defense was pretty decent. Um, so it was just you know rank inconsistency on our part. Uh, but going forward, are we is Team Rocket going to tell Lord Sugar that offense is everything now? No, I don't think so. I, 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 th- I think you've always got to be really careful in the NFL 
because it's a very trend-driven league. You see certain teams acting a certain way and people are very easily influenced. I mean, the, the approach at the moment of the aggressiveness on fourth down and, you know, not kicking field goals, trying not being re- more reluctant to punt, that's something that's spread across the NFL like wildfire in the last couple of years and it's completely different than what you would have seen sort of more traditionally six, seven, eight years ago. The move towards young coaches, that's swept through the league in recent years where all these, you know, young, sexy assistants that – um, uh, currently working for successful teams are thrown into head coach roles with, you know, so far sort of I, I take I, I, varied levels of successes across the board. So I don't think you just want to be copying people all the time. I think there's a real sort of that's a bit of a trap that you can fall into. I think for the Bengals, we don't need to reinvent the wheel to be able to win a football game. I just think you've got to rebuild that offensive line. We know that. And all I right, think well, let's really, get to the offensive line. So we're going to tell Lord yeah. Sugar. Our emphasis is is protecting our quarterback, right? A hundred percent. I mean, that, that in the ser- the current situation we're in, that is definitely the priority. There's no doubt. Uh, okay, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Who, who have you got your eyes on? Um, because I looked at the tackle. Yes, Trent Williams is available, um, but he's 33 years old. Uh, Russell Okung is available. He's 33. Uh, Villain Waver's available from Pittsburgh. Um, he's 33. So, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are in their sort of early to mid... Um, Cedric Aboy is still out there, if you're interested, for £2.3 million a year last year. Um, so, you know, there's not... There's nothing really, um, you know, out there that really... I mean, Williams is still a hell of a good player, Um I really think he's a good player. So, I mean, but is this the year? And Taylor Moton is out there from Carolina as well. Um, but do we do we sign one of those guys? Do we, or do we kind of the ideal is the ideal scenario drafting someone like Saul or moving back for Slater, maybe picking up Eichenberg. Uh, or Leatherwood in the draft, uh, maybe uh, Falele, or you know those sort of guys in the draft. Or are you are you throwing money at the guard position because there does seem to be some more interesting guards than tackles out there in free agency? I think that no one would disagree with the fact that Sewell would be the ideal player in the draft at number five. I think if he fell to number five, no matter how sexy the Smith or Chase pick would be at five and how exciting people would get, how excited people would get about that. I think if Sewell was there at five and you got him on a rookie contract, he would just be an absolute weapon Mm. uh, offensive tackle for the future. And I do, as much as it's very easy to just pinpoint Joe Tooney as like a, sort of plug-and-play option at guard. The tackle position does worry me because we can't look past the fact that Jonah Williams has not played a lot of football in the two years he's been here. You know, he missed the entire of last season and he missed a fair portion of this season. So he's going into his third year having played basically half a season. Now, when healthy, he's looked decent and he'll probably only improve. But there has to be a question mark there on his health and on his durability, uh, even if that's being a bit harsh. And on the other side, Bobby Hart has been better. He has played better. His PFF grades will tell you he's played better. I think visually on the eye, um, even sort of the layman's eye, he has looked a bit better. Um, 
But my, my worry with the offensive tackle position is there's not much depth behind either of them. You know, if we could guarantee that Jonah Williams would start 16 games and Bobby Hart would start 16 games, I might say let's look at other areas. But it's my worry is is that I just don't think we can get away with plugging in Hakeem Adenergy and Fred Johnson if they go down. And I, you can say what you want about Hakeem Adenergy. He could be a good player. You know, I think as we have a real tendency as a fan base to overhype our own players. And I know that a few people on Twitter have said he's potentially got you know some but I think that's every fan base though isn't it probably yeah but I just think that we I think throwing in a sixth round or fifth round pick wherever her identity was I think it was a sixth round to throw him in uh tackle potentially for the season if we lost someone like Bobby Hart you know in um the preseason or in off you know the team drills or something to throw him in there for the season or Fred Johnson I mean you, you just ask him for trouble I well I think, I think we Fred Johnson did I think Fred Johnson did quite well when he came in in depth for Jonah Williams he's he's quite obviously not a right tackle or a guard but put him at left tackle which he depth for Jonah Williams he did reasonably well I think and uh, I'd be quite happy with. He's got a PFF grade of forty-eight point four. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree, and it's not great, but he he did. He it wasn't a, a huge leaking ship scenario when he was in there. He did pretty well, I think. I mean, to me, you'd want Bobby Hart. To me, is the perfect backup right, right tackle. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you going to tell Lord Sugar that you're <laughs> from? Lord Sugar's going to say, "Are you going to keep Bobby Hart?" Are you, oi. Nathan, are you going to keep Bobby Hart? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, I'll keep Bobby. as a He'd be an excellent backup tackle, and I've no doubt he would play with the amount of injuries we get. But I, I think that I wouldn't mind. Bobby Hart's not on a crazy deal. Like he's really not. He's his cap number six point nine million. Is the he he could you could plug him in at right tackle. You could probably plug him in at left tackle if worst comes to worst, and he had to play out there because of injuries. I wouldn't be too fussed about that. If you got Saul in the draft, I, I would not have a problem with keeping Bobby Hart. Well, I suppose this is targeted at some young audience, and that was uh, supposed to be funny. <laughs> you come across as a grade A pillar. <laughs> Well, that's uh, it's not going very well for Sir Alan Sugar there. Um, it is tricky. I think ideally you want one nice marquee free agency signing, but if you're going to go after Brandon Scherf or Trent Williams or Joe Tooney, then you're going to be paying 15, 16, I mean, even yeah, 17 no million. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, are you prepared to do that? That's the question. I would like to pick up Joe Tooney. I think that would make a hell of a difference. Yeah, I completely agree. But you're going to have to pay him 15, 16 million a year. I, I th the offensive line goes from nothing, like being a really poor, obvious weakness on this team, to arguably being a strength of this team if you were to pay Joe Tooney at guard and draft Penisal at tackle. Like, it, it just immediately yeah. is a, a hugely upgraded unit at that point. And I would say also, and it's quite early in the draft process, and Saul is quite rightly, from what I've seen and heard and read, he's being lauded as, like, almost a generational talent. He's only been 19, which is crazy. He's going to have a super long career, all being well. A lot of people are saying that Rashan Slater is as good as Penny Saul. Um so that's another name to watch in the draft. But there are, as ever, there are guys out there, you know. There really are guys out there in the draft that we can pick up. So, again, similar to the wide receiver position, um, 
you want I think you want to pick up one and you want to draft one. That that would be my pitch to old uh, sugar tits. Yeah, I I really agree. I mean, whether you go, I mean, Joe Tooney feels like a real we you know we could afford that. We've certainly got a lot of cap room. That's the other thing to remember that we've got a decent cap room. Mm. I think you know we'll get to some of the cut, potential cuts to sort of free up some money, but we will have money there. And I I don't think there's ever been a more pressing need. The only thing I would say when you think about the Bengals and you look at the people they've got on the roster. There's a lot of bodies in that offensive line room. And obviously, if you're going to draft Penaisu or Penaisu, I don't know how you pronounce his first name. Is it Penisaw or Penai? Um, I'm still going with Penai, but uh, I, I'm happy to be corrected. Yeah. But but if you draft him and you bring in Joe Tooney, the, the, what you look at that and you think, well, who's going here? Because you've got Adenergy, you've got Michael But I don't Jordan, mind that. Got... Suddenly we're, we're, we've got to make those decisions. We can't, can't yeah. keep them. And also, we haven't brought the name Frank Pollack into this as well. And the hope is that he will sort that line out. And one of my criticisms of Jim Turner last year and the year before, yes, there were some crazy injuries across that line. They had to draft in John Jerry and Andre Smith that first year, which was horrendous. They could never settle on a, on a, on a, you know, on their first choice line, and that's so important for an offensive line. I know they were hamstrung because of inju- injuries, but I didn't like that approach. You know, let's just all. I know Buffalo have been successful with that approach. Just throw loads of offensive linemen at a wall and see who sticks. Um, it never really felt that Turner and the Bengals knew what their best starting five on that line was, you know? Did you feel that? Yeah, completely. And it ch- I don't think there was any sort of longevity on that line. It changed week to week. It was difficult to keep up with. There was a lot, I know that's no fault of Jim Turner's or the coaching staff with the, the amount of injuries and stuff, but it was very hard, I think, for that line to build up any chemistry. Um, Obviously, you've got new guys on the line as well, like Xavier Suofila coming in, Quinton Spain coming in in the middle of the season. Um, so it, it's a really difficult one. But I think if you bring in a couple of guys, you're going to have to sort of, you know, do they re-sign Quinton Spain? You know, do they resign? Do they keep Xavier Suofilo? There's a lot of decisions there because if you're bringing in these guys, people like Fred Johnson, um, obviously Alex Redmond, maybe Michael Jordan, do they stay with the team? You know, do you cut your you cut your ties on them and say enough's enough? Because they're going to be the type of people that um, make way um, if you go and spend two heavy picks on Joe Tooney um, from free agency, and then obviously Saul um, from the draft. So, yeah, but I mean, at least that gives you a better, a more stable unit. You know, if you go and bring those guys in, you know they're starting. There's no competition there. It's just like these guys are the guys. You know, Trey Hopkins is going to be a centre if he rehabs properly from that nasty knee injury. Um, Jonah Williams will start if he's uh, healthy. And that's pretty much your line. You plug Quinton Spain in, let's go. Right, Lord Sugar. Um, we're happy to say that's how we're going to sort the offence out. We don't feel it's too far away. We've just got to sort that line out, get a couple of good new wide receivers. And those quotes that we uh, gave you about the quarterbacks, we're confident that we have a quarterback that will be in the late 80s, early 90s in terms of PFF grade next uh, year and the year after. So that's how we're going to sort the offence. So let's go on to the defence. Now, 
Are we going to tell Lord Sugar that we're going to keep Gino Atkins or not? Absolutely not. And really? that's with a great that's with the greatest respect to Gino Atkins, but Gino Atkins cap number next year is about 15 million. We we can't justify paying Gino 15 million. Not when you're paying DJ Reader 13 and a half as well. I, I mean just, that's I've just that's, got a feeling that they're going to keep him and I and that's based on that's a pro pro of nothing, but I don't know. Um Depends how he comes back after his shoulder injury, really. But I agree, his production was obviously non-existent last year. It was half of Geno Atkins, but his production had been kind of dipping year on year for a couple of years. So, OK, I'm going to go with that. I'm not sure. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd want to restructure his deal or something like that. Uh, if he was going to stay, but um... I, I just think with those guys, and like I said, I love Gino. He's such a good player. He's a quality guy. He's been an immense producer for us throughout the years. But I think at that cap number, and just the, the way this team is moving forward at the moment, looking to young players, building through the draft, potentially transitioning to actually using free agency as a tool to make the team better. I just think there's better money spent there. We don't need. I think it's only the dead money from Gino's deal is five point two million, um, according to uh, the website over the cap. We'd save nine and a half million, and I just think if you're going to use that nine and a half million. You could get a quality start. I mean, you could look at someone like a Melvin Ingram to come in. At the uh, you probably need a little bit more for Melvin Ingram, but like as an edge rusher to sort of really spruce that unit up or get someone in. I think. Well, that... the, the Giants Leonard Williams is being talked about, and he is yeah. a quality player. Jadeveon Clowney's out there, yeah. but I wouldn't necessarily get. I don't think for his. I mean, he's a good player, but he's just not produced in the in the way that everyone thought he was going to. Uh, Justin Houston's out there, but he's he's very uh, well, not very old, but he's thirty two now. So it wouldn't be wouldn't make sense shipping Gino out and getting a, a guy of a similar age in. How about the Ravens' Yannick Ngokwe? Twelve yeah. million, twelve mil he got last year, and he's an unrestricted free agent. I'd look at him for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Solomon Thomas, he hasn't really done it for the Forty ers but seven million, he could be a nice rotational piece um you've got to remember you've got josh tupu coming back as well from the covid list now not not that yeah. he's going to sort of come in there and light light a fire necessarily but <clears throat> if we're talking about rotational pieces he certainly will do that job are you keeping mike daniels uh christian Covington? yeah those i guys? quite liked i quite liked what i saw from both of them i think they're definitely worth certainly the battle in training camp to see what they've both got i, yeah. I think one of them I, I actually was quite i mean considering the they didn't get a preseason. Obviously, Mike Daniels came in middle of the season. Difficult circumstances. I thought they both did okay. Covington as well. I thought had a fairly. He was involved in a few bits. I thought he played fairly well. I certainly think the defense, considering the the rotation and the amount of new starters, I actually thought held up okay. All things considered, mm. with those guys. So I certainly th- I wouldn't be against that. Um, Here's the big question, I mean, though. Yeah. Are you? going all out to re-sign Carl Lawson. Yes, I I think I think Carl Lawson should be re-signed, but but I think that he's going to want a lot of money. And I think and, he's I think he's going to find a very uh, competitive market for his services because he's he's pretty much not necessarily in sacks, but everything in terms of pressures and all the rest of it, he's improved it. I mean, this is the first season really that he's played and all 16 games. So he's improved. He's in the top 10 
of pressures and all the rest of it. He's 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 right up there with people like uh, Aaron Donald and all the rest of it on the defensive line. I think he's gonna. I think I'd love to keep him, but are you paying him uh, the dollar that his services might um, might attract? It's it's a very difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously we can't predict what his agent's going to come out and demand. I can imagine it's probably not going to be something that Mike Brown takes too kindly to, because like you said, there will be a market for his services out there. Um, And I mean, like statistically, his best year for the Bengals was in 2017, nearly four years ago, where he got eight and a half sacks as a Mm. rookie. Since then, he's only got to five, five and a half in the last couple of years. I know, I know, I know he's been injured and I, I know that sacks aren't everything. He's got an excellent PFF grade, loads of pressures. We know how valuable he is, but but if they want to pay him like a top tier, you know, like a top five, top 10 edge rusher, I mean, then I don't know. Then it'd be a difficult conversation, but I think if it makes sense and it's a sensible deal for his talent, I think everyone would want him back. Mm. Um, He's a great guy again, high character, which I know Zach Taylor prioritizes. Um, And I think that he's got room to improve as well. He's got, you know, he's still a young guy moving into his second contract. I think we need it. We need some rushes, you know, I I certainly agree. Wouldn't be wanting to get rid of it because then you've just got to replace him. You've got to pay someone else. You know, if we've said we're taking Saul at five, we're generously saying that he's available there. Then, you know, even if you you, you can't afford to lose Lawson, because you're just going to have to pay, like I said, pay someone that is going to be a sort of a similar value to him, like a Melvin Ingram or someone mm-hmm. like that. So, what do you say? What do you reckon, Sam? Yeah, I'd throw the I'd throw the wallet at uh, Carl Lawson. I, I think he's only going to get better. Uh, age is on his side. We're going to be getting him in his prime, uh, but I do worry about the market out there. He's going to get he's going to get some serious dollars thrown at him. So it's a case of whether you know, not like a hometown discount, but we would hope that he would want to stay. Who knows? Who knows? But I certainly would be making a very strong play for him. Uh, if we sign Carl Lawson, I doubt if we'd go after a Leonard Williams or a whoever else uh but i would be looking to draft another three technique in the because i i also want some interior line pressure as well reed is going to be back which is going to be big uh hubbard's you know a really great sort of uh try hard effort guy but i i would want another productive college edge rusher in the draft and i would also want uh a three technique in the draft as well um See, I think you basically say if you get Lawson back, I would certainly, without hesitation, spend that second round, top second round pick on either a, a guy to stuff, the, you know, a guy in the middle to sort of replace the Geno Atkins loss or an edge rusher. I think that would be a sensible yeah, place yeah. to go in the second round. I'm, I'm drafting a couple of edge rushers and maybe even a defensive tackle that can yeah. rush the passer. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about the draft a bit later on. Um, so, linebackers are pretty set. Um, do you think? I mean, we might re-sign Josh Bynes for another year contract. Who knows? Um, linebackers still worry me a little bit mm. because there's still young guys. I know Logan Wilson really did flash. Bynes is going to have another year on his clock. And I know the Bengals absolutely love bringing in a veteran linebacker 
every year. They've done it so many times. You got like you think back like how many linebackers from Preston Brown, um, Kevin Minter, Josh Bynes, AJ Hawk, James Harrison, mm. like the list of like you know sort of experienced linebackers the Bengals have brought in in the past uh, is a long one. And I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of thought about doing that again, whether it's to sort of come in and support, because I still think that unit, whilst it's got potential and you hope maybe Marcus Bailey can step up next year and Akeem Davis Gaither and Logan Wilson can take the next steps. I've not seen enough from Jermaine Pratt, to be completely honest. Mm. I, I thought he would step up this year. and I don't think he did not enough anyway. And I still think that if Bynes has got another year on his clock, that position could easily be a position of weakness. And I do think that a vet, maybe not someone necessarily that's going to blow the, you know, like absolutely blow you away and be a top tier guy, but maybe sort of a sort of a guy looking to come, maybe coming back from an injury that's looking to prove himself with a bit of experience mm. to come in. Because I do think that linebacker room could use some competition. You know what? Uh, Hassan Reddick is a free agent next year. Yeah. Three point three six nine million he was paid last year. And he's going to get a big jump up in pay. But there are some interesting pass rushing um, linebackers out there that play in a in a three four system. And like you said, you know, people like Shaq Barrett and Bud Dupree and Melvin Ingram, yeah, uh, Olivier Vernon, Le- Levante David is more of a middle. I want my signing Levante David. I think he's a heck of a player. But um, we shall see. Um, right, do we tell Lord Sugar that we are going to sign William Jackson? I would probably say yes, because I think that uh, Jackson's not, he's, he's not by any means a top tier cornerback, but he's hes a, I think if you pair him with the coming back Trey Waynes, they're a very good one-two tandem. And I know it's a lot of money to lock up in them, but I I probably would. But I'm really on the fence with it. How, how about yourself, Sam? Yeah, I'm on the fence. Um, it just depends who's out there, really, because I think Darius Phillips is a nice rotational guy. He had good moments last year when he was on the field. Uh, LaShawn Sims was, you know, a liability Tony Brown was a liability. We didn't really see yeah. Winston Rose or Tony McRae. Um Paul Dana is uh, guessing that uh, Desmond King could be, uh, you know, kind of signing there. Um, it's tricky because if we don't retain William Jackson, who is a top 15 cornerback in this league, and he's, for the most part, very... He's got his weaknesses, like every cornerback, and, and Williams is double moves. Um, but he's been pretty solid when he's played this year, and you've really noticed the difference when he hasn't played, and I think that's the sign of a good player. You really notice how... Uh, well, not bad. Well, yeah, I guess so. How bad things are when he's not playing. You really did notice that. Um, and, um, yeah... I, if we the don't, thing- so basically, he was only on two point four million, and he's gonna. I don't know whether he was gonna. He's not gonna get. You know, in terms of, um, in terms of just looking at uh, spot track, um, Patrick Peterson is the top free agent last year in terms of how much he was paid in twenty twenty. That was fourteen million, and then there was a there's a drop off to Richard Sherman at nines, 
And then after that, a drop off to sixes with DJ Hayden. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. P- PFF have predicted that if we re-signed him, he'd be looking for about a three-year, $40 million deal, which is about 13, just over $30 million a year on average. Mm. I don't know. I I think trouble is this, right? If we... I've been doing a few mock drafts and I have been taking corners quite early. So, for instance, the other night I did one where I traded down because Penny Sewell had gone and I took a corner. I think it was Caleb Farley. Uh, took a corner in the first round and people... I put it online and people shouted at me. We've got to swear on the line. But if William Jackson goes... Um, we've, we've got, uh, we've got to get a number one corner, uh, going forward for the next four years. We've got Trey Wayne's down, obviously he's going to be playing next year, but, um, yeah, I, I would take a corner certainly in the first four rounds and look, certainly look in free agency as well. Um, so yeah, it's a tricky one with Jackson, I think, um. I think if you, I mean, it'd be a lot of money to commit to the cornerback position because you paid Trey Wayne's a lot of money. That was three years, forty-two million, an average of fourteen million a year. We paid Trey Wayne's last year. So if you're going to go and give Jackson three years, forty million, you've invested a lot in that position. But then I would also bring back Mackenzie Alexander. Yes, I would as, too. Yeah. You know, he. I thought he added a lot. I liked his character. I thought he played well. If you bring him back. All of a sudden, that's a really, really strong three, like depth chart of three players there. Um, And then obviously you've got Darius Phillips at four. That's great. You know, you can afford people like LeSean Sims, Tony Brown to be your fifth guy. Yeah. Um, I would. I think that'd be a very, very solid unit. I think across the ball on the defense, we've invested. We invested so much money in that defense last year. I mean, you forget about it really because a lot of them were injured. But like Trey Waynes, Von Bell, Mackenzie Alexander. Um, you know, we went out and obviously paid the big, big, big bucks to get in DJ Reader. There was a lot of additions there. Um, I don't think we need to spend crazy money on the defense. I think if you got a good second round player added to the defense, you got someone like Josh Tupu back, you resigned your own players. Maybe you brought in a couple of, you know, if you got rid of Gino, you bring in one flashy free agent, one guy to compete across the board. I think it would be a, a middle of the pack unit at, at, at least. Mm. Um, so what are we telling Lord Sugar? Let's, let's just recap the way we're going to do it. We've got our quarterback of the future. We're going to draft a wide receiver, but not necessarily in the first round. Uh, and we're going to uh, sign uh, a solid uh, veteran in free agency. We're going to sign a um, a starting caliber guard in free agency, if possible. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to draft a tackle. Yep. Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball... We're going to get rid of Gino, unfortunately. Uh, We're going to draft another three technique, another rotational pass rusher, uh, and we're going to do our absolute damnedest to sign um, Kyle Lawson. Uh, There's some veterans to be had in free agency at a lower price in linebackers to bolster that one up. And perhaps, uh, you know, we're still on the fence about William Jackson. 
That's about right, I think. I mean, certainly by that, the offense would be a lot better. If you got in a quality player like Marvin Jones alongside maybe a receiver drafted in the fourth round or something, I think that would be a very, very nice positional upgrade there. The offensive line would be head and shoulders better with Saul and Joe Tooney. On defense, you keep your, you keep your own. Um, maybe invest in one quality player on that defensive line, like a Melvin Ingram type to replace... Gino. I mean, it would look. It would be a very good-looking team, a very, very good-looking team. I think if that was the case. Right. Uh, we better wrap this up. We've been talking for ages. Uh, sorry, Lord Sugar. It's not the most concise or or uh, to the point <laughs> presentation. Or structured. Or structured even. <laughs> um, anything off the field? I'd still like to see them, like you know, with the help of private investment, perhaps make a little training complex north of the city. Uh, or even in northern Kentucky, get a, a, an indoor practice facility going, make it like a proper, you know, uh, uh, 21st century professional sports team. That's what I'd like to see. They've done great in social media and marketing and reaching out to the community this year. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? I think that the uh, the Ring of Honor everyone talks about yeah. uh, every year as being something they'd like to see. I I. I think that would be a, a really nice touch um like you said the social media has been excellent i think in the modern age now it's just such an essential thing for a huge sports team to have i completely agree on the indoor practice facility i think that's something that more than anything as well attracts free agents having quality facilities and taking care of your players like that and giving them the extra resources i think that's a really really positive thing um but yeah i think that's um I can't think of anything else that comes mm. to mind. Well, let's see what Lord Sugar has to say. This process started out as someone's crazy idea. I think we've kind of exhausted everything we can say. I think I've had enough. Oh, dear. He's had enough, Nathan. <laughs> um, I think our listeners have had enough. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Let's have a musical interlude, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Um uh, we did our own version of the viral sea shanty Weller Man that first appeared on TikTok and went down a treat on Twitter yesterday. So here is our version of Weller Man called Burrow Man. There once was a team from Cincinnati who sail under a tiger stripe B. The fortune came to the QB. Oh, blow you Bengals boys, blow. Soon may the Burrowman come to throw touchdowns to Tee Week One. When the division is won, we'll win the Super Bowl. While Captain Zack was steering from shore, up from the right a whale did bore. They had to fight Big Ben once more, we'll take that whale in tow. Soon may the Burrowman come to throw touchdowns to Tee Week One. When the division is won, we'll win the Super Bowl. Before Big Ben could start to swim, Joe Boy threw a harpoon at him. The whale he did slide below, and he wept on national TV. Soon may the Burrowman come to throw touchdowns to Tee Week One. When the division is won, we'll win the Super Bowl. Soon may the Burrowman come to throw touchdowns to Tee Week One. When the division is won, we'll win the Super Bowl. 
Fair play, Sal. I tell you what, you've got some effort into that. Oh, it's great. Uh, I must I love say, the part about Big Ben being harpooned. That's my personal favourite. I think it's most people's personal favourite, really. Uh, big thanks to Ken Davis, uh, Sam Angel, Michael Smith, Tom McDowell, uh, and my bandmates Ian, Paul, uh, and me. Of course, I was singing that. So uh, that was a lot of fun to do. Hope you all like that. Um, we also had the Bengals UK AGM last week, and we've decided to, uh, as I say, provide some entertainment for you throughout this off season. Obviously, we're still in lockdown in the UK, and the prospect of lockdown, even though there's some light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines and whatnot, um, the prospect of being in some sort of lockdown, um, you know, throughout the spring, really. So um, we've decided to. Uh, uh, give you lots of fun things to get involved in, and then I think we'll announce those next week in our Super Bowl preview show. Excitingly, actually, no, it probably won't. It's because there's two weeks between or after the division. Anyway, whatever. In whatever our preview show is for the Super Bowl, we will tell you what's going on. Now, as ever, uh, we have a bunch of correspondences um, because, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier on. Um, we we put it out there really how would you um how would you fix the bengals and um uh, and as ever um you know we've got some really interesting things but there was a, a theme that um that developed so i'm just trying to find all the, the bloody tweets now so of course we are on twitter at who underscore uk and facebook uh bengals UK VB uh, at Von Blade draft all the linemen fire Lou ta-da <laughs> short and sweet um, Peter Daswell at Dadders invest in the lines O lines and D lines invest heavily and invest deep starting with free agency everything will flow from there protect the QB get to the opposition QB need depth as injuries always happen I mean that I think that's the blueprint. I mean, we kind of said that in our thing there. Obviously, really beefing up that line, I think, is everyone's number one priority. And obviously that D line as well. I think getting DJ Reader a full season out of him, I think will make a big, big difference um for run stopping, but also even to free up the pass rush a bit with someone like Carl Lawson and hopefully um a quality draft pick and free agent. But I I, I completely agree. Um and you see it in the playoffs, some of the quality pass rushes that teams have got that can just absolutely turn a game on its head um when you can get pressure with four guys. So I'm hopeful that they do follow that uh, blueprint, um, and I don't. I think if they can, and obviously take advantage of that draft position and the cap money, they certainly uh, they certainly can do it. Mike V at Mike V O six hundred resign Lawson. Try to resign Jackson if they can. Open the checkbook for a good right tackle and guard. Draft either Sewell, Smith, Chase with the fifth pick. Second round pick should be a defensive player, either quarterback or edge rusher. See, I'm not getting seduced, but I know it's 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 a cool thing to uh, want Chase and Smith, and no doubt they're fabulous players. But um, and really, we should be going best player available at five if we indeed do stick to five. But I'm not getting seduced by Chase or uh, Smith because we've got. Um, uh, Higgins and Boyd at the moment. Uh, yes, we need some, you know, we need to kind of fully stock that room out. But 
There's some good players in the, in the second, third round. Uh, I've got my eyes on a few players at wide receiver in the second and third rounds. And I plus, think if Saul's gone, I think it will be a really... I think both of those guys could really be like a generational... Or certain, maybe a generational is the word thrown around too much, but at least a very, very good number one receiver. And I think... The three, the three guys having the, the the fantasy of having T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Chase would just be phenomenal. You know, having that deep threat and the potential of not only the fact that um, the quality there, but the young, uh, you know, the age just of those guys of Chase and T Higgins, they could be your future number one, number two. You know, you can't even say Tyler Boyd's a three. Whoever you're saying is the number three guy there is a massive insult to. Mm-hmm. But having those three guys. Um, they could be uh, receivers for the next five, ten years, you know. So I'm still I, not I would seduced. be very, very, very tempted if at five Saul have gone. I'm still not getting seduced. I'd, I would trade down. But anyway, we can talk about the draft later. Um, Axel Jmo at Axel underscore Jmo uh, protect Joe. Tan at Cincinnati Tan says O line. Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. Big decision is between number one top OL free agent and Chase Stroke Smith in the first round or number two good wide receiver free agent and Saul or next OT in draft, then draft D lineman and a cornerback. I'm good with either choice. I'm edging towards number two, I have to say. Shawnee at Shawnee 01. The offensive line doesn't need to be said. I think we need two pieces there to make it good enough to protect Joe. Defensive line needs fixing. Obviously, we have DJ coming back, but I'd like another edge on top of Lawson returning. Depth in the secondary is required and another couple of receivers. I think free agency will be very interesting and I just hope... They don't leave themselves desperate for a certain position in the draft. He makes a good point. And the last couple of... You can always kind of tell where the Bengals might go in the draft because they do plug holes in free agency, whether it's... You know, obviously last year they spent a whole... They spent a fortune. But before that, they were just picking up mid-level veteran free agents to plug gaps. And you could then kind of guess where they would go in the draft. And that's probably going to happen this year. But we hope that they're going to be signing, you know, top tier free agents rather than sort of mid-level guys and guys who are approaching the end of their career. So it will be very interesting. I think I think like you're to your point as well. The Bengals are in a good position in one sense. They've got Joe Burrow and there's no competition there at quarterback. And I think whenever you've got a quarterback, the draft always feels a little bit easier. That you're not always trying to find that guy in the draft. But there are a lot of positions on this team. We can't delude ourselves. There are almost, I'd say, apart from safety, which feels very secure and locked up, almost every position, and running back, I'd argue as well. Yeah. I think Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, if you keep them guys there, probably doesn't need any work there. But they're probably the only two positions on this team that couldn't be improved. I mean, if you were to move back, you could easily make an argument to get someone like Pitts from Florida to come in at the tight end position. Um, would be an, I think would be an upgrade on um, CJ Uzama um, or certainly run him close um, in his, his first couple of years. So I think across the board here, there are a lot of positions that could use an upgrade. We, we, we could you know, spend those positions yeah, sure. in a variety of places. So, yes. Honestly, if we draft uh, a tight end in the first round, I, I wouldn't be that happy, even though Pitts looks great. Which, like we said, we have to stick to that blueprint of making sure we protect Burrow. 
Um, I, I completely agree. And yeah. just kind of get get going on the on the trenches. You know, just that's our weakness. That is our weakness. The trenches, both sides of the ball. Uh, Jam at Baggett Disco. Um, hope to add defensive depth at D line and cornerback. Uh, upgrades on the O-line and wide receiver room. Don't need to reach on a prospect picking at five. Just take best player available. Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk. I'm go- Solid handle. I'm going aggressive and adopting the Kevin Keegan Newcastle approach. Sign some average defenders. Go hell for leather on the offence. Protect Joey B. Massively upgrade the O-line and add more weapons at wide receiver. Score 40 points a week and we will win more than we lose. (laughs) That's the offence first argument right there, isn't it? Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Good evening, gents. My ideal situation would be top five free agent tackle. Draft the best player available at five. And he uh, uppercases best player available. Sign Wilson and tag Willow. And that's something that we haven't talked about. William Jackson could be tagged. That is a viable, viable option, actually. Um, Yeah, I fully agree. The icing on the cake would be to spend a little cash on a decent pass rusher. Also, protect Joe and protect the leads. Absolutely. That's a very good point. How badly did we... Protect Leeds last season. Um, RP at Burrow to AJ. We need help on both lines to start with. We have no pass rush at all, which is worrying. And obviously we need to protect Joe Boy. Take the best player at five, which I believe will be Saul, and be aggressive in free agency. Bring back Lawson and Alexander. Tag Jackson. Can't wait for it. Well, there we go. That's our correspondence. I think the Bengals are well and truly fixed. Um, well, I'll I tell you what that highlights is all that correspondence. If there was an American football manager game, every geezer would absolutely love it. I'll tell you now, everyone loves to play the role of GM and scout players and look at salary caps. And I'll tell you what, it'd go down an absolute storm. Yeah, it really would, wouldn't it? Um, actually, you know what? Salary caps and player contracts are, n- are my least favourite. Uh, part of the game. I know some people really love that kind of stuff, but I just hate it. Um, but there we go. That's just me. Um, so yeah, I think I think uh, you know we didn't really talk about William Jackson being tagged, um, but I think that's a that's that could be a likely option actually. Do you know something else? And this is not. I mean, he'll be here next season regardless. But another thing that might well be talked about this off season is whether you extend Jesse Bates. I think that's a conversation that's potentially going to come up. Yeah, I agree. And of course, you do. You know, you have to, because I think um, having that presence, uh, like we said last week, having that presence in the middle of the field, is almost better than a linebacker, or you know, or better than an average linebacker. Do you know what I mean? And. Von Bell has been playing right up, you know, close to the line of scrimmage. He's been excellent in the in the final stretch of the season. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, lots to talk it, about. It, it's a really interesting one with the Bengals. My last thought of the day is: I sometimes struggle to know where I am with this team. There's times where I really think we're not far away if we were to have a good draft and a really strong free agency. I think we could really become a playoff team next year. And then there's other times I look at it and I'm like, there's too many holes. There's lack of depth. Mm. Mm. Maybe next season we should realistically be aiming for like 500. I just can't figure it out. It's still at that point. No, I think it's fair enough when you've got a team that's been so riddled with injuries and also so inconsistent. It is difficult to quantify where this team is. 
and where yeah. what they can achieve, you know. But I think we saw glimpses on offense genuinely last season that they were just marching up and down the field, just amazing. And then at times they were awful. Yeah. Defense holding teams that we didn't expect and then other weeks just awful, giving up huge plays, you know. Um yeah. so yeah, all over the shop. We want we want I think we want some consistency and we want some better players. We need the the, the other thing going right back to the start of the sh- uh, of this episode it's the execution in the playoffs, isn't it? Players are executing well, blocking, yeah. uh, you know, route running, catching the ball, throws. Everything is just up a notch in terms of execution, uh, and that's what good players do and good coaches do as well. I think that's going to be a challenge for us realistically because we're such a young team. If you move into next year and you draft a whole big class of guys, you know, the top five pick and stuff, these guys are going to come in and play. And obviously you look back across this team at the linebacker position, we're very young. At quarterback, we're very young. At wide receiver, we're young. Um, even on that offensive line, there's a lot of young guys in there, like a Michael Jordan, a Denergy, all these guys that might get some playing time. So... It is going to be a challenge for us, and there's not a lot of playoff experience on that team, guys that have been there and done it. I know you've got people like Josh Bynes sort of as the exception to the rule, but there's not that much experience there. And I think when you get to the playoffs, certainly, I mean, I know Zach Taylor's been there as a sort of assistant coach with the Rams when they had that Super Bowl run, but I think that that is going to be something we need to sort of get used to and learn to experience because there's almost apart from Gino, if he is still there, there's none of the guys there really from that those playoff runs back in Marvin's days that maybe are there to sort of steer the ship. So I think that's going to be something that might be a little bit of a challenge for us. And just finally, who is going to contest the Super Bowl this year? Oof. I think if Patrick Mahomes is okay to play next week. I would say that the Chiefs will beat the Bills. I think the Bills have been excellent. I would not rule the Bills out in that, but I, I think that the Chiefs just seem like they have another level. Um, I mean, Green Bay, I watched the Green Bay Rams game, and I think the Green Bay got lucky that Aaron Donald was nowhere near his full self, yeah. but they looked excellent, Green Bay. They yeah. really, really did look good. They looked like a well-oiled machine. They played tough defensively, and Aaron Rodgers just was in the groove, playing exceptionally well. Um, against a, a quality defense as well. He just mm. played re- across the board. They played very well. So as good as Tom Brady is, and it is, you've got to give a mention to how outrageous Tom Brady is playing in his f- early 40s. I think he's 43, Tom yeah, Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. just absolutely mind-boggling that not only can you be playing professional sport at 43, he's at the top of his game. You mentioned earlier he's, a, he's in the top five for PFF grades. He's got his... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have never been anywhere near the title game for many years now, are on the verge of the Super Bowl, which is extraordinary. How you know you think back to last year, there, Jameis Winston sort of tossing everything all over the ball, uh, all over the shop, um, and now this team's on the verge of a Super Bowl. So a huge amount of credit there. But I'm going to go for Green Bay against Kansas City, which would be an extraordinary game. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know both games could go either way. Certainly, the most, as you mentioned, the most impressive victory at the weekend was Green Bay against the Rams, who had a number one defense, and they Green Bay just absolutely shredded them. So, um, but yeah, I think the Bills will give the Chiefs a game. I think that be could be an absolute cracker, and I like the way Tampa Bay's defense is playing. So I don't know. It's, I mean, yes, you'd take the home teams in both games. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Bills 
Bucks. Uh, That'd be a funny Bowl. Super Bowl, Bills Bucks, wouldn't it? It would, but it has the potential to be a terrific game. You know, look at the way Josh. I mean, I absolutely love Stefan Diggs. I think uh, I think yeah. he's the best receiver in the game at the moment. And Devontae Adams is not far behind either. I have to say, he's on the same level as Diggs. But Diggs is just incredible. You know, he was the only one getting separation against Baltimore, pretty much. Um, anyway. Yes, two great games uh, to look forward to. Uh, We'll be back next week to chat some more nonsense. Thank you for listening. Uh, Do get in touch with us as this off-season moves along. We edge towards free agency. Senior bowls coming up. We'll we'll have mock drafts and all sorts going on uh, on our our social media platforms at Whoday underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. Uh, But until then, it is a Whoday from me. And a day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.